0: How are we doing guys and welcome to the I'll Try That podcast. This week we are traveling to Ireland to sample a staple over there that is Guinness. But first I'm going to hand over to Barbara who I believe has an interesting hot topic for us.
1: Thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, so gradually after, um, I, sorry for a bit of a heavy one, after um, all, all conflict in, in Afghanistan, you may remember uh, at the back end of last year, Joe Biden announced that the US uh, is going to withdraw all its forces from Afghanistan by, by the 11th of September. Uh, as a result, um, lots of other countries uh, involved are, are going to follow suit, um, and so uh, Germany, in particular, are, are one of those uh, one of those countries. As a result, one thing they're finding they're also going to have to do is fly twenty two thousand five hundred liters of beer home from Afghanistan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the most German thing to be bringing home from Afghanistan ever. Ach, nein, <laughs> do not leave the beer. Was müssen wir machen? <laughs> L- Lager!
0: <laughs> I'm, d- I'm just going to throw that out there. Do they need to bring the beer back? Why can't they just leave it over there for everyone over there? Leave it as like a present or something.
2: I don't want to get too much into it, but I have to feel like it might be something to do with the locals being Muslim. Probably don't drink beer
1: yes yeah uh, essentially so i i think rather than even just leave it as a gift the the first idea is is to to sell sell it um but Joe, as you correctly say um yeah local culture religion and, and customs mean that um booze doesn't do very much uh for for anyone out there so um they're going to send it back uh 60,000 cans of beer as the BBC has reported are, are kind of sat there um and you know there's it's not doing any good um you know I'm sure uh, what I was sort of thinking was they can't sell it they're thinking about sending it home um I'm afraid if it is going back to the UK it might charge them uh, a, a little more in, in the postage isn't it going back to Germany? Yeah, if it's going back to Germany, but you know, I, I, I'm got no problems if it got rerouted back to the UK. I'm I'm sure I'd I'd find find a home for it. I'm not sure sixty thousand cans is, is going to uh um is probably gonna see me through for, for some time. But um uh yeah, there's twenty two thousand five hundred litres uh that 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 needs a home, basically. So they're gonna have to send it back to
2: Germany. Well, at least I'm very pleased to hear that this is not going to be beer wasted. You know, it's not going to be lumbered on the populace. It's not going to be not reused. It's going to be sent back to Germany. It's going to find a home, as you were very openly, with your own open arms, uh, Barber, of, like, bringing it back to the UK if you want to. You know, this will find a home.
0: You know what? It is going to be an absolutely fantastic welcome home party if they're bringing 60,000 beers back. Like, that's, that's, that, that's the alcohol budget covered
1: yeah yeah absolutely and um i you know i'm not up to speed with uh how uh lockdown sort of restrictions are, are in, in in germany but i imagine that yeah there's probably going to be some some domestic uh to domestic welcoming of of you know uh, a few a few thousand liters to um to add to the coffers
2: this week we're gonna, as, as Travis said, we're gonna be talking about the staple that is Guinness. Now, I don't really have to describe too much about the word of what Guinness is. I think everyone, when, as soon as you say the word Guinness, you picture a pint glass with, uh, you know, the the, the the Guinness word and this black, very black liquid inside it. Um, you know, Guinness is, as we know it now on draft, is, is very popularized as a stout, but its original formulation came as a porter. But but really, what is the difference between a, a stout and a porter?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's good news for the listeners, isn't it? Because we've just all become friends again after having a huge argument about the difference between stout and porter. <laughs> so So guys, good news. The podcast can continue because we've 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 set aside our difference differences. Um And all the listeners need to know is Joe was right. That's
0: all they <laughs> need <laughs> to <laughs> know. Um, well, I really don't want to run th- wanna- it. I really don't want to throw a spanner in the works, but Joe, you said a dark liquid. Actually, Guinness is um, a dark
2: ruby red. What was that first word that you said?
1: (laughs) I I thought for a minute, Travis was going to say, I'll have you know, uh, Joe, that it's actually a solid. (laughs) It's actually solid. (laughs) It's antimatter." All right, I'm just going to put in the background, um, stout uh as i understand and without to give giving too much due deference to joe uh i understand that uh, stouts are actually uh, stronger porters, just with high content of, of alcohol. Um, I've I've heard the term stout porter before, so that presumably is something that that uh, muddies the line between the two. But um, yeah, a stout is stronger porter, uh, as I understand. But um, there's a difference in there also between the most popularised drink, which uh, that I'm currently uh, sampling, being Guinness Draft Stouts, which I think is the really well known one. But also they had Guinness Original which is, you know, I I suppose where it
2: all started, which was the Porter, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, Guinness itself, I mean, has, they have, we we know the Stout, uh, the Draft Stout as being the one and only, you know, that's what we think of when you think of of Guinness as the most popular one. But there are so many other Guinness products that are out there. You know, they've got a a Guinness 0.0, which we will talk about a little bit later, but it had to be recalled from its uh, November 2020 launch in the UK because of microbiological, Contamination. Don't want to go too much into that detail, but basically, it's been put on hold. The official launch until they can sort that out. There's a Dublin Porter. There's a Golden Ale. There's a Hop House Thirteen Lager. There's a Guinness Rye Pale Ale. A West Indies Porter, which you might know as the more popular, uh, the foreign. Um, sorry, you might know is the more popular Guinness Foreign Extra Stout, which actually, you know, like looking at the stats here is fascinating. That Guinness Foreign Extra Stout, it accounts for 45% of Guinness's sales globally. And it's super popular in Asia, Africa and the Caribbean.
1: Wow. Oh, wow! Okay. Um, that's me living in, I'm I'm a little bit in island mode, uh, island, I-S-L-A-N-D uh, mode, and the, this is the one I drank, and uh, I, I had no idea that 45% get out
2: of town. There's, there's a whole range of products behind the Guinness, uh, the Guinness trademark, I should say. I mean, and again, I should have to say Guinness trademark or even copyright because everything has uh yeah it's copyright uh, because every time you look on the Guinness website Guinness is written it's got the little r above the s to say it's a copyright and you cannot use Guinness unless you have their permission
1: uh, they've got they put a trademark on the uh on the harp symbol as well i think haven't they i think i think Guinness out there is a
0: is a fascinating product just because of how worldly wide it's known and how popular Guinness actually is it, it blows my mind everywhere i've ever traveled in the world i've always been able to get a guinness no
2: matter no matter where it is guinness is available so guinness produces on an annual basis 82.9 million hectoliters so that is 50.7 million barrels okay
0: <laughs> that's mad that's huge
2: that's an unquantifiable... I mean, I know we've quantified it, we've just given some statistics behind it, but <laughs> that is an unquantifiable in my mind of how how popular Guinness is around the world. Now, Barbara, what is the most popular countries? And maybe you can throw that back to Travis and I.
1: <laughs> You've tapped in, I like it, um, to an interesting question I was going to pose to you guys, which is... Could you tell me, I, we'll, we'll say at the moment, you'd have to be a bit of an expert to get these in the right order, but could you tell me the top five uh, consumers of Guinness in terms of countries in, in the world? Can I, go, can I go first in this? By all I means. Because I think I might have it. For your boots.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it the top five c- uh, countries? Is one of them Nigeria? No
2: comment. What, rate, what rating would you put Nigeria in that f- top five? You've got to give numbers to these.
0: Okay, okay, no, no, do no, it. No, no, number
2: two, Cameroon. You better not be doing this, because I can see you looking at the screen, and that defeats the whole bloody purpose of what Bob is trying to do right now. I can see you right now looking down at the side. That is such a, cheat. you are a cheater, Richard Radwell, and I don't care who knows. Hang on, I'm
1: looking on the screen. It, he looks like he's got it written on the inside of the, the palm of his hand. I'm not asked. Wait, right, Travis, Travis, you're, you're exempt from this. Joe, what do you think of the top five consumers of Guinness worldwide <laughs> by country?
2: Something tells me that Nigeria and Cameroon might be in that list. <laughs> Where did you get that from? Okay, I have to feel like Ireland has to be in there. It's brewed in Ireland. They must consume a lot of Guinness there. I don't. This is not a, uh, you know, a Foster's story. They actually brew it in the country and they consume it in the country. I... I will say that Ireland's not a very big country by per capita, so I don't think it's number one. I think the US might be number one, actually, because they do like Guinness, and it's a huge country. So I'll put US as number one. Yeah, US number one. I think the UK's uh, a close second, because we do like a good Guinness here in the UK. I'll put Ireland there at number three, because again, they like it in their home countries. I'll put Nigeria and Cameroon to finish it off. So that's four or five.
1: Well, well done. Between the two of you, you've got the top five. Um, I, I think probably because it must have been Dravers' numerous trips to Cameroon that he knows how much they, they drink over there. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> 10 out of 10 in terms of the population of the top five. What is the order? In at number one, it's a non-mover. It's the UK. The UK are the highest uh, consumers of, of, of Guinness. Second place goes to, um, goes to Ireland itself. Fair play, you know, it's locally produced and, and the locals enjoy it. Third place is Nigeria. So Nigeria is a bigger consumer of Guinness than the United States, which comes in in fourth. And Cameroon takes that fifth spot as, as the fifth biggest uh, consumer of, of Guinness. Really interestingly, I'm going to have to try and cast my mind back and I should have maybe done some more re- uh, research into this. But um, I think that Guinness did a... I think it was a I, like a, a Nigerian-based advert a while ago, and I remember there was I, there was this 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 um, advert had um, these guys um, drinking Guinness, and it was really. Um, the whole idea is that the, these guys in this bar having a drink um, were—it uh, was all about fashion. That the, the, their outfits were fantastic, which I, I think is is a popular Nigerian custom of having, you know, the absolute height of sartorial elegance, um, being very well dressed, in very sharp, very snazzy suits. Um, and uh, maybe that should have been a bit of a
2: tip for for where they came in terms of their Guinness consumption. That was a um, a BBDO advert for Guinness that was mm-hmm. really tapping into. Subculture called sappers. Now, sappers are I can only, only describe as, you know, putting it into our language, you know, dapper gentlemen who walk yeah. around in the most fantastic outfits, always, you know, like suits, ties, you know, tr- like hats, uh, you know, but they're always, mm. but it's an African take on this. So it's colourful. So like me. It's, it, you know, this isn't <laughs> like, you know, you're not talking about like kind of barber jackets. So you're not talking about, you know, what we might think of dapper in the UK of being not even barber jackets, but, you know, like t- uh, tweed. It is phenomenal. So uh, you know, they refer to them as a group of everyday heroes from Brazzaville, from the Republic of Congo. Actually, so you know, follows these sappers whose you know way of life is a testament to the belief in it, of putting more in to get more out.
1: I think we're going to have to get some pictures up of of the kind of suits that we're talking about because I just remember them being really striking, sort of three piece suits, but with with also with, with the hat maybe that makes them four piece, but really striking, strong, um, some primary colors, but um, yeah, really vibrant uh, sort sort of things. And um, well, that's that's I. I I, if I I could, if I could get a um a wardrobe full of those suits myself, I'd be a bang up for it. Particularly if it involved sinking a few Guinnesses as well.
2: Now, while we're on the topic of Guinness adverts, so for me Guinness, I was introduced to Guinness not as a you know way many years before I could officially taste a Guinness definitely and i yeah. was i fell in love with the brand of guinness through their adverts uh, and through the associations the partnerships that guinness did so guinness for me has a very strong heartland in in the world of rugby uh, you know, they did many partnerships with cotton traders. Uh, they sponsored many different rugby clubs. You know, it was called the Guinness Premiership for a very long time. Uh, you know, as a, as a, as a through and through Worcester fan, although that's a very painful phrase to say, <laughs> uh, you know, we, you know, we, we, we follow our rugby quite a lot down in Worcester and, and Guinness is, is very much tied with that rugby culture.
1: It's still the Guinness Six Nations, I believe, as well, isn't it? Every year, the the competition, again, for our uh, American listeners, the the competition between Italy, France, England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales, um, that is is still the Guinness Six Nations. Now, I would
2: give the Americans credit. Rugby is one of the most popular growing sports in the US of A. Yeah, uh, apologies. That was...
1: Me me being a little patronising there, guys, sorry about that.
0: I used to really enjoy the Guinness original adverts when they were had like zoo animals and all of that sort of stuff, like you'll never get my Guinness. And they had like a toucan with a Guinness balanced on top of their trunk and a zookeeper maybe running away from a lion and all this sort of stuff. But around that time, we, we've spoke about it before, that my great-great-grandparents and everything that like used to own pubs and stuff like that, we had it as a hot topic on the podcast. But I own um well, an an original bottle it is tiny so you know like you get the little like vodka bottles that you'd maybe get on an airplane or something like, like that the it's the size of that but i own a bottle of guinness that was given out to pubs and breweries um and stuff like that as an advertisement for them to try the guinness and stuff like that so i have an original bottle unopened um, that wow. sits on my that sits on my memory shelf of a bottle of Guinness that um, was handed down from my was handed down from I think it's about four generations and my grandma gave it to me and said I could have it so I, oh, I've man, now cool. got an original bottle of tiny Guinness open sort of thing which I, I i i will never open and i will quite happily pass down on to somebody else in my generation but it is i, I i'll put i'll put a picture up on that on our instagram
2: but yeah it is
0: really that's cool. a lovely that's cool.
2: memento lovely family gesture that one um yeah. and such a rare rare thing now by the sound of things to have one of those mementos as well yeah yeah that's um
1: there's there's, there's historical significance
2: so, so to build on the toucan, you're absolutely spot on. The toucan has been a part of the Guinness brand since 1945 when it first made its appearances. Uh, you know, there's a whole stream of different posters where you've got this toucan with uh, two pint glasses of, of, of Guinness, like balanced on its nose. Um, and you know, it's really just the, the origins of it is that it's just more that kind of more playful rather than logical kind of idea. You know, there isn't really anything that links a toucan to Guinness apart from the fact that someone went. Let's just put this as a, as a memorable beer ad, uh, you know, and, it, and that's just how it started. But it, the Toucan has definitely become, uh, you know, an integral part of the Guinness brand for a lot of ways. And there actually are, you know, limited edition beers, which are, you know, like you can see a t- big Toucan across the, 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 the pack itself.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I so it, the Toucan the was really iconic, but I almost... Um, I really don't feel this way about adverts for other products, but I almost feel like the Toucan, for a moment there, I forgot about it, but um, I feel like the Toucan almost it, it makes you forget a little bit about some of the other advertising. I, I've, I don't think there's another product where I've actually really just, I've, I've seen an advert for it and thought, that's so cool. Um, and as you mentioned before, Joe, um, it was way before I was actually old enough to drink, um drink alcohol, you know, even I think my memories of, of Guinness is going back to the sort of the age of seven or eight. Um they had an advert, I'm sure, with uh Rowan Atkinson as, as Mr. Bean dancing. And I don't know if this was the same one, but there was it was if they had a for a while it was a really recognizable piece of music which sort of went da 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 oh, da da sorry my singing voice is <laughs>
2: Da 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 da
1: That was everywhere, everyone knew that. And um there was that there was also the one with the guys it was black and white, which obviously makes sense because of the, the, the booze itself, of the beer itself, the liquid. Um and it was the guys, it was it was really sort of uh, deep, kind of heavy music, and it was a ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, and, and the guys go out surfing. No,
2: I want to talk about that. That's my jab. That's uh, that's what I've been talking about, the tick-follow-top-work <laughs> like advert. So I'm really pleased you touched on that, Barbara, because it's like, for me, I'm glad that touched you as much as it touched me, because 1998 is when this advert came out. What what I find mad in general, I'm, I'm just a bit of a generalisation here, but... But beer
0: companies and their advertising tends to be on point. They tend to be adverts that we remember, and they tend to hit home sort of thing. Because there's like there, there, there's there's many adverts that I remember and stuff like that. But but they all tend to be beer related. I don't remember some deodorant that's been advertised and stuff like that. But beer commercials, I do. I just I just I just wanted to throw it out there. But Guinness, they hit it on the head a lot of the
1: time. Yeah, and in, in what I suppose is a very competitive market, they did just step it up a gear. Joe, Joe you, you, you seem to, what was the, um, what was the deal there? The, the tick
2: followed top so thing. So I think what kind of, st- I guess, started off this whole advertising Guinness and why it's so memorable is this advert of, of, of Guinness. 1998, I was eight years old at the time. So long before I could even touch Guinness, you know, and, and taste Guinness in that sense. But I just distinctly remember this advert. So you know, as you said, it's, it's about kind of like these surfers dudes, but actually it's it's way deeper than that. These are Polynesian surfers. It was shot in Hawaii itself. Uh, you know, these, these gentlemen are running out there on very old school surf gear. You know, this is not like, you know, a new school. This is like trying to think back to the harp of, you know, the age of, 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 of glory surfing, I suppose, or the early days of surfing. Big wave. Big wave. And that's exactly what this website, what this, uh, so this is exactly what this advert was trying to capture, is that these gu- these guys are waiting on the beach. It starts with them panning to them on the beach, you know. Waiting on the beach, and then they run into the sea. You know, and they're basically big wave surfers. They're waiting for the big wave to come in, and they can read the tides to come in to know when that big wave's coming. And you know, there's just is the, the the music in the background. You can already picture it in your mind. You know that that kind of music, the dun 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 dun. You know, this kind of music hitting in the background. It was known as the tick followed, tock followed, tick followed, tock. Because this is the voiceover that the guy's saying. Because they're waiting in the waves for it to come. You know, there's this very iconic line. Uh, you know of you know of the voiceover that says Ahab says I don't care who you are here's to your dream you know linking back to you know the Ahab's novels you know about the Moby Dick and basically these guys just go on this massive big wave they surf down this wave they come off and they're celebrating on the beach it sounds like a really small premise of, the, of, of an advert, but for a sixty-second spot, it was so iconic. It won so many CLEOs, it won so many D and D awards, it won a Can Lion as well. Which, if, if you're winning anything in the ad industry, these are these are all the creme de la creme of the ads that you want, uh, the awards that you want to be winning.
0: So I was, I was just coming back to you, Joe. You were you were talking about how the guys were waiting to hit the perfect wave, and they were waiting to get out there and stuff as like that. But I um. I, as I said, as I do my little bit of research for when we, when we come on here, um, it's supposedly to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. It is a six step art form that's supposedly to put, and supposedly in between that, there's meant to be a minute break from when you pour to letting it sit and letting it settle which I think from you like, I, I can remember the advert you talk about but looking back at it and I kind of reflecting on it I can see where the advert was coming from that they're waiting and that you kind of I think they probably tapped into having to wait for the perfect pint having to wait for that perfect moment and I think that that was what was maybe re- this is my my, my my interpretation of it
2: You're absolutely spot on that's exactly what it was the, the, you know what it was bringing out is the fact that you wait for the perfect pint
1: Really glad, really glad you brought that up, Drabbers, because also I, as someone who used to pull pints of Guinness, I kind of think it was sort of received wisdom, but I always knew uh, there was a formula for it, but I never heard from an official source what the proper way to do it was. Um, I hope I've been doing it right this, this whole time, but do you, do you have that specific set of instructions just so we can sort of put that to bed? If you give me one minute, I, I, I will take a look. I was going to say, you
0: can't, you can't dangle six steps
2: and not give us the six steps.
0: So here we go. So so, so what I found, the proper Guinness pouring process begins with a cool, dry glass. You want to hold the glass at a 45 degree angle beneath the tap spout. Pull the handle forward and let the stout flow, filling it up until you reach 75 inches below the top of the glass. Let it settle for 119.5 seconds. (laughs) Bring the glass to a 45 degree angle again. Push the handle backwards this time until the head is just poured or just proud of the glass. Don't let it overflow and never use a spatula to level the head. That's just blasphemy. Oh
1: man, even if they've just been really arbitrary with that, I, I still love it and that's the got a level of dedication. That's what I kinda of do if if I have a, a um Guinness Draft Stout can. And I kind of apply that e- even with the can. And anyway, even though I know obviously you can't do the, the forward tip of the, the, the tap. But um, I once poured, um, I think it was just like uh, having guests around. And, and um, I said, oh, I have actually got some Guinness to one of the guests. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love one. Um, and then I started doing that. And they said, no, 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 no. When you've got a can of Guinness, <laughs> this blew me away. They said, you know, yeah, crack the can. You know, ksh, yeah. So empty. Well, he said, put the can in upside down
2: <laughs> and then just let it go. This is Guinness's, uh, they've done a massive push about this throughout coronavirus because obviously you're not drinking it out of bites at the moment. You've been drinking them out of uh, take-home cans. And Guinness out of a can is designed that you're meant to just pour it straight into the, into the, into the, into the glass itself. Like, you aren't meant to be having this, you can't have, sorry, this whole Guinness pouring experience, the six, the six step process that you're experiencing from a draft from a tap you need to have it you know the can is designed in a way with the widget we'll talk about the widget in a second it's designed with the widget so that you can pour it directly into the clan the clam directly into the can like straight away and it still gives you that same feeling of what you're meant to get from a pull pint that's
1: in, that's interesting though because i remember this person saying to me so i i was kind of yeah no i'm, I'm happy to go and pour it straight in but they said no Upend the can into the, the glass. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and, and he said to me, then just leave it. And I was like, you want, so the top of the can is going to be submerged in the beer as it fills the glass. And he went, that's the only way. And I was like, dude, I'm not sure. Well that, <laughs> I'm so that not also sure. Doesn't, that
2: doesn't make any sense from the gentleman's opinion <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the, the, the you've got a can which is a, a pint glass you know and so if you pour that in any extra any extra like thing that goes in that can is going to pour that liquid over the top of the of the pint glass so you can't have yeah. so that that's what basically if you're submerging it you're going to get spillage
1: i mean i saw rich's i saw rich's light uh eyes light up when we mentioned the widget i think he's about to hit us with some serious knowledge <laughs> no
0: no this would just say so, so we've talked about the widget before with john smith and everything like that but just i found a really interesting fact so so the widget won an award um for the it was the queen's technology award in 1991 but i want there there was also another massive technological marvel that was coming around that time can you guys guess what it might have been that the widget beat the
1: internet no was it i did you say 1991 Uh Travers. Sorry. That's a, that's, a, yes. that's, a, that's a good suggestion, Joe. I feel like I've i moved on quickly from that. Uh nineteen ninety-one. Uh, was it me?
0: No, 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 it was it was not you, Barber. Joe, Joe Joe was bang on the money. It was the internet. As if as if the internet was bigger than me. I can't believe it. <laughs> but it's more i can't get i can't get that the widget beat the internet the widget's great don't get
2: me wrong but the internet's pretty cool honestly i think if you like this is the problem but this is the thing with any technological advancements people I can hype it up for what they think the perceived kind of value is. And at that time, the widget was such a big deal because there was, like, so, right, people were, you know, it was revolutionary for, for so many different industries, but specifically, obviously, in beer and, and, you know, with the creation of porters and stouts, you know, because you could basically transport and give people from cans the same experience that you'd expect from a pub. Now we know that obviously the value of the internet is exponentially more than the widgets. But, you know, at that time, people didn't really understand what the internet was. It was just made for like, you know, uh, you know, for, for, for nerds that were kind of like sending, you know, messages to each other, whatever. But now we know what the internet actually is. Whereas at the time, <laughs> the widget, I mean, it blew everyone's mind. It was like, what? I can have the same pint experience that I get from the pub, but from a can? Every day is a school day. The first Guinness Book of World Records was published to help settle pub arguments. You know, so, uh, you know, they're just saying that after, uh, you know, a hunt, apparently some sort of like unfruitful hunting trip, that Hugh Beaver, who was the then managing director of Guinness, A, what a bloody great name, <laughs> Hugh Beaver, and also ironic that he's in hunting as well. Please tell me his middle initial was J.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I totally forgot about the Guinness Book of Records comes from Guinness. Joe, carry on.
2: Tell us about Huge Beaver. So it goes on to say that when Beaver was unable to locate a reference book <laughs> that he could he come could, he could back to his claim, he decided to create one. So Huge Beaver did actually create a, the, the book of the book of <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's it. This one's over. <laughs>
2: So, <laughs> who, j- Who created the Guinness Book of Records? <laughs> that was Hugh Beaver.
1: Who? <laughs> who was it? Yes. No, it was Hugh. <laughs> Hugh, Hugh, Hugh <laughs> Beaver? It's cool. It's cool. We're back in the room. So Hugh Beaver, what is that little the argument, he didn't have the book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Drabbers, come on. We're, we're better than this. We're older than this. Hugh Beaver... So he created a book that basically could, he could go back and claim, you know, that there would be a reference guide for all these wild claims that are set at pubs. Uh, and he stamped the Guinness logo over it uh, and handed out to pubs for free. So that so that cool. cons- consumers could settle debates and bets that often happened over a pint. Oh, that's good. I have, I
0: have, I have one of the original Guinness Book of Records. Man, your collection of Guinness memorabilia, you're going to be worth so much eventually. <laughs> Making it rain. We, we've smashed Food, there is so much to cover with Guinness it is just fact after fact an interesting story it's absolutely mad but otherwise we, we we would be here for hours if we just wanted to talk about it so I'm going to move us on to the taste because I think it's, it's it's a good time to go to it I've I, I will hold my hands up I've never been a huge Guinness drinker I've only ever drunk it I will say a handful of times in my life and that is, is, is never been something I've actively gone and brought until this podcast sort of thing. And I've tried it again today. And like, I, I get why it's big. I get why it's so nice. And I get why it's so drinkable.
1: Cause, cause God, it is. It's really good. For me, it's, um, it, it, it reminds me, as, as Joe mentioned earlier on about day at the rugby, drinking beer, uh, drinking Guinness. Um, I've done, I, I quite like, uh, you can't do it all the time, but, uh, a day at the, uh, um, the races, a bit of tradition where I am. There is a big race course nearby in, in, in Cheltenham. Um, <clears throat> New Year's Day, if you've, if you've, uh, you know, got the energy to get up early, early morning on, on, New Year's Day, a day, crisp, cold weather, um, watching the horse racing and, and having a Guinness is, is just absolutely perfect. And again, if you need a, you know, a little bit of a live and a bit of hair of the dog, um, I was there a couple of years ago and, and I was there with a the Guinness and someone said, real way to uh to enhance it also is is uh, a measure of port in in your guinness to have a port in guinness which uh
2: gives a little, little fruity edge as well which i really enjoyed so i think with it with guinness the, the guinness like stout is the draft stout which is so popular but obviously as we know there are other versions of guinness as well you know usually they're around that one uh, 4.1 to 4.3 percent so it's as low on the abv scale um and the idea is that guinness is you know it, this isn't going to be a heavy hitter. You could probably, you know, get through a couple of Guinness, uh, a couple of guinea, <laughs> eye and, uh, you know, and uh, not feel like you're, you know, you're toppling over yourself. But as, as the boys have just said, it's so distinct. It's that smoothness. And I think Guinness, that is that unmistakably Guinness, is the fact that you have this first velvety sip, uh, you know, all the way through to the last. Like it, it, it has that real, you know, what they refer to as the lingering drop. You know, it doesn't change as you drink the Guinness. It is the same from the very first sip all the way through to the very last. You know, it is this dark liquid. It is. It is. You know, it isn't going to be a light, hoppy. You know, if you if you like your craft IPAs and all this stuff, like this is not the drink for you. If you like to have a a quintessential, you know, kind of you know kind of heritage, but unmistakably smooth drink a stout and as a porter goes guinness is the is the benchmark you know you have so many great uh, you know nitro you can have a nitro ipa uh sorry you have a nitro guinness out in 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 the in the us it's only sold in the us and i have tried that and it's delicious it's really kind of like velvety even more velvety uh, and it's really starting to try kind of i guess kind of like cater towards the american uh you know what the american kind of like taste buds I've expected, you know, with these, you know, kind of new, you know, craft ales that have come out there. I really do hope that they bring these Nitro Guinnesses out in the rest of the world because they are phenomenal. Uh, you know, but you have, you know, Guinness Extra Cold, people might have heard of before. And basically it's normal Guinness Extra, uh, you know, draft, stout, but it's put through a super cooler. It's 4.3%. You might have seen these in, in, in pubs, in bars, where they have the, the, the taps, which have literal ice on the outside because of how cold the beer fonts are. Yeah, I love the look of those. That only just makes
1: me want want to Guinness even, even more. Um you know also uh, for anyone that I I figure <laughs> my my list of places that consume beer obviously was was really well known knowledge <laughs> earlier on but um in theory you know you can actually survive on a diet of just Guinness. I'm not sure that most health professionals would recommend it, Um, and I think it's probably fair to expect that uh, it's probably a little bit low on vitamin C. But apparently, the number of calories um, combined with the uh, high proportion of protein and and iron uh, in in, uh, Guinness means that, um, technically speaking, you can survive. Um, without eating or drinking anything else, but just consuming Guinness. Like, I like Guinness, but I don't think I want to live on Guinness. Well, um, yeah, I th- again, I think it's not recommended, but, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. Maybe if you found for some reason that you were locked in a <laughs> pub with no exit, no entrance, uh, and, you know, they <laughs> to be honest, that for a lot of people is, is Nirvana. But um, if if you thought you were going to be in there for days, weeks, months... Best bet, pull yourself a Guinness and, and keep drinking the Guinness. It would sustain you because the, the calories are high enough, and again it 's the protein and, and, and the iron um, maybe it, i 'm saying that you probably couldn 't get yourself uh, your hands on a you know spare lettuce <laughs> or some some oranges for a bit of vitamin C, but it, it could sustain you technically speaking
2: so going back to, we, you know, we haven 't really talked too much about the origins of Guinness you know Guinness has been around since nine, uh, since seventeen fifty nine uh, you know, where Arthur Guinness, at the age of 50, uh, 34, you know, signed a lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. You know, so he leased this brewery for 9,000 years at an annual rent of £45. Pounds. Uh, you know, the fact that Guinness itself, the, the site of St. James, which is like the, you know, you'd say that's like the the, the the point that you have to go to. I would love one day to go to Dublin's uh, St. James Brewery and have the, the full Guinness experience uh, for it. But may I ask you guys a question of who... Now owns the Guinness brand.
1: Ooh, I think I know this. Ooh, I think I. I I think it's a it's a big brewery, isn't it? A big brewing corporation. Look, I'm I'm
0: I'm going to going to put it out there. Is it AB and Bev because they own absolutely (laughs) everybody?
2: So, Rich is going AB and Bev. I'm going Diageo. It is Diageo. Matt Barber wins that round. So yeah, Diageo, one of the largest uh, drinks companies in the world, mostly known for its you know Johnny Walker. Uh, you know, everyone will be very familiar with Johnny Walker. They also have owned, uh, they've owned, um, Guinness since 1997, since the merger of, uh, you know, Di- Diage- uh, sorry, Guinness and the Grand Metropolitan, uh, which is also another big drinks company. So, you know, this is, this is a, you know, there's a lot of money and, and marketing budget behind Guinness, uh, which you would expect with a company that sells 10 million glasses of Guinness a day around the world. <laughs>
0: that's just that number just
1: is absurd every day like 10 million glasses a day 3.3.65 billion a year i said on a previous episode that a billion is a lot (laughs) This, this is the sort of insight you can't get elsewhere yeah. Okay. So, um, just looking at the numbers there. So uh, Guinness, their their Twitter, they do um, divide up by by the country. They average about twenty five thousand uh, followers per per country. The interesting thing, though, they don't they they don't that. do Instagram sort of officially. They don't, they don't do, Instagram, do Instagram. However, the Guinness Book of World Records do. How many followers do you think they've got on Instagram?
0: So, I'm just computing in my head, like, I I own a fair few copies of the Guinness Book of Records and all this sort of stuff. I've got a bit of knowledge and it's pretty popular. I'm just going to throw this out there. 4.1 million. 4.1
1: million, you say? 4.1 million. Is that your final answer? 100%. Do you you want to ask the audience? Do you want to, you know, phone a friend? No, no, no. I'm 100% confident. 4.1 million. Richard Drabble, 4.1 million, you've said. You've got it completely right. (laughs) How did you do that without getting the answer (laughs)
0: somewhere? Well, Joe didn't tell me earlier. Okay. But it's fine. Okay, (laughs) Absolutely right. 4.1 million followers. All I can really say is Guinness is good. If you've not tried it, try it. If you're thinking about trying it, try it. Um, All I can say is just
1: try Guinness. I've tried it. I am gonna go and try it again.
2: And that's all we have time for this week's episode of the I'll Try That Podcast. And so for me, Joe, Rich, Barbara, and Simo, goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, I'll try that and watch us on YouTube. Goodbye now.